Well, good morning. Welcome to uh, this service for those who are with us in the auditorium. And for those of you who are sharing this time via the internet. I appreciate you sharing today and, and, and hearing these stories and, and what it means to serve in a very unique culture in a different country. In fact, today we're going to be talking something very similar about what, what, is, what is serving. Is it just about things we do, tasks that we check off, or just projects that we gather around to do when they're available? Or is serving about worship? Because am I serving to be a part of something that is good, or am I serving as unto the Lord? And is it something that we want people to see? We certainly want people to be affected by it in a positive way, but is it about the serving or is it about our service? You see, today I want to talk with you about a person that most of you have never heard. His name is Epaphroditus. He's mentioned just this passage, and we've, we know really very little about him. In fact, when people hear Epaphroditus, uh, and have never heard, they would probably think it's a disease, or it's like, and some will put the definite, or yeah, the definite article in front of it, like I have the the Epaphroditus, or, or like I got the pneumonia, ending with an A and an R. No, not a disease. A real person, in fact, a very unique person, serving in some very unique circumstances. And uh, I want to talk with you about him in Philippians chapter 2, verses 25 to 30. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you, and distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not only him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety, <laughs> I bet, Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor men like him because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help you could not give. Well, as I mentioned earlier, we, we know very little about this guy. And yet what we do know, and again, it's, it's still minimal, that he was serving under some very difficult circumstances we don't know all what they were, but what the, the church had tried to help with the ministry there, they could not complete it. So Epaphroditus went back and, and finished the work, and we'll look at that more in just a moment. The point I want to make to us today is that here Epaphroditus, a person that most people don't know, played a significant role in the ministry and the life and work of the church. Now, I'm not comparing our pandemic to their situation because I don't know what their situation is other than it was difficult. 
And I think most people today would say that this pandemic has caused difficulty. And sometimes it, it, we look at that as either um, how long can we hold our breath until it's over, or we either start breathing and living in the midst of it because we have to live, we have to move forward. The church will still go on even if it does not go on as we see it. For example, uh, there are countries where the church, Christianity, is not a welcomed subject. In fact, it's highly oppressed in some countries, has been for hundreds of years, and even to this day. There are places where they can't have a place to assemble, like we do. Uh, they don't have the internet. At least they don't have access it to do live streaming like we are doing. And yet in some of these countries, Christianity, down through the corridors of history, up until our present, has flourished. It didn't decrease. It didn't squash it out. It grew. Exponentially it grew. So what does that tell us about during our pandemic we should not be doing less. We just have to do it different. Are we caught up in the idea that being a servant is about what others can do for me? Or is it about what we can do for the Lord? For Jesus himself said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. I'll never forget it several years ago. In a country I won't mention, but it was also a place where Christianity was discouraged. It wasn't totally squashed out, squashed out, whatever word you want to use. It was usually something that was highly suspicious, well guarded and observed by those in authority there. There was a particular religion that basically the government had bought out that was, if you were a part of that, you were good. But I remember being in that country. And seeing these same sort of circumstances, it wasn't a pandemic, but this oppressive, not able to do what we would think of as church, and yet in this country, it flourished. In fact, the place where we gathered for that worship Sunday was, was a church, but it wasn't. It was a home, but it was a church. In fact, the only reason they could build it is that someone would have to live there so it could be dubbed as a resident. And when we gathered there for worship in a large assembly, it had to be like a family reunion. Couldn't call it church. So every time when they met in this larger home building, they would have to have food. Not a bad idea. They would have to act at like as if it were a you know, family reunion because people were looking. And I'm telling you, by the hundreds, they came. And on that Sunday, it was raining. It was cold. The thing that would keep most of us away, they came in their Sunday best. In fact, one of the home churches, which was where they really thrived because they, they could not really be in public. I went to one night and we were talking and they told us how they had to work under the radar. And one of the things they talked about was that when they heard that the authorities were coming, because somehow they communicated to one another that 
hey, things are not looking well, you're being watched. They always had a birthday cake. They always had balloons and a party and the designated birthday girl or boy. And, it, and the pastor said many times we could hear the cars rushing down the road. The Bibles, everything they were studying was put under the floor, covered up, the birthday cake. All the kids that were in the back room were now brought to the front room. They just had a big birthday party. So when they broke in, that's all they saw. One of their leaders, in fact, several of their leaders were put in prison because they had children's Bible material in their satchel as they walked down the city sidewalk. You see, that's called serving in difficult circumstances. And I think it challenges us when we look at where we are today. And I think that some people are really discouraged. Some people have just checked out. Some come on to the live stream. Some come to the service building itself. But many have checked out, and I wonder, is it about fear? Is it about the uncomfortability of all that we, all of us are experiencing? Or have we not really grasped this idea of what serving is about and become such a consumer of what the church can do for us and do for our kids versus serving our Lord? Because if our service is worship, circumstance will not dictate what we do, it may dictate how we do it, but should not limit it. And as we've already discussed, many countries who serve under this kind of radar have continued to flourish. What about Epaphroditus? There are several things I want to, to just generally observe about him and then challenge us in just a minute about what we can do in taking things home with us. What made Epaphroditus a servant? Well, the, the first thing I want to share with you is that he was willing to go and meet the needs of someone else. In verse 25, it says, Who is also your messenger and minister to my need? He was willing to go. I remember just a moment ago when Drew was sharing that, that most of his life he felt this tug that something wanted to go there. He, he was willing to go. Epaphroditus was willing to go and meet the needs of someone else. Part of being a servant is not about being selfish. It's not about being seen. It's not trying to be significant in the eyes of others. But it's a humble gesture of doing something for someone else. Jesus demonstrated this by washing the disciples' feet. It was a humble, servant gesture of doing something for someone else. The second thing that we see in this passage is that he was willing to give everything he had, almost, or even his life. In verse 27, for indeed he was sick, even to the point of death. Now, we don't know what happened. We don't know what he had. But he was there, and he was uh, persistent. And, I'm, you know, what kind of guy was he? What sort of personality? Was he that tenacious? Was he the kind of guy? I, I don't know. What we do know is that he went when no one else would. And he persisted and served and completed this task even to the point of death. 
I mean, you know how it is. Sometimes even we start to gather, I mean, and when we were gathering, and one day perhaps this will come back to a gathering a little bit more normal to a new normal. But you know how it is. I know how I was growing up, and I've heard your stories. It doesn't take but one sniffle in the house. Everybody's sick. Everybody stays home. I'm not talking about today. If there's a sniffle in the house today, stay home. Please stay home. But in the past, it was like, if just one person is sick, it just causes the whole family to, well, we've got to go. We've got to just stay right here. We can't go. I wonder how difficult most of us life has actually been. I think the question we had today, have you been to a foreign country or overseas? I hope everyone gets a chance, whether through a mission trip or some of the means. Because we, if we only see our life through the lenses of our neighborhood, our livelihood, Walmart and a park and a partridge and a pear tree, we, we've not seen real life. We need to go see where people are, where people live. And the believers who are there who thrive in some of those challenging and difficult circumstances. I'll assure you that when you come back, you will see life and you will see where you live in a very, very different perspective. No doubt Epaphroditus did. He served even at the risk of losing his life. The last thing is that he was willing to complete the task even when others gave up. In verse 30 it says, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. You know, there's something about just staying there to the work's done. I don't, is it a personality? Maybe, maybe not, don't think so. Is it a level of commitment in your heart? Maybe, hope so. Is it a mindset? Perhaps. I will tell you one group of people that I saw this in that I've never seen it in before or since. And I think most of us would attest. Several years ago, I was pastoring a church, and one of our members was a World War II vet. 80 plus, plus, whatever he was. He would never tell us. A little older than me. A lot. The mindset of many of those people who were in World War II was very different. This guy was 80 plus. He had already lost his wife in death. And yet when this man said, I will be there to help, that man was not only there to help, he was there early. He said, if I'm not there 15 minutes before it starts, I'm late. And he, look, the man could barely get around. And the things that was amazing to me is that what that man said, he did. It wasn't a matter of, yeah, I'll go help with the church. You know, I'll go do things around the church, the outside of the church, if, if something else doesn't come up. You know, if I get a call, I forgot about the party we're going to have at the park, I'll just go to the park. This man would not be detoured from any other additional activity. He did what he said, and he completed what he said he would do. He was oftentimes the first to be there, the last to leave. I think whatever developed that mindset was a part of what Paphroditus was and who he was and what he did. Well, I have just a few things to leave with you before we go about what you can do. What can you do? First thing I want to share is ministry was never intended to be done alone. We need each other. Though we are spread out and though this pandemic has us sort of spaced out, uh, I mean, 
physically, <laughs> spaced out, uh, we can still be together. We can still work. We can still serve. We can do what needs to be done. Just think about all these people who function and have grown by the hundreds of thousands in other countries that don't even have a place to, to go and go to church. And they have no internet to communicate. They just get it done. I think that we can too. And we need each other. Christianity was never intended to be a solo sport. Sport. It was about community. It was about sharing in the oneness of Christ together and serving Him. Secondly, who are the spiritual heroes of your life that you need to send an epistle, send a letter, send a card, send an email of thanksgiving? And that person that you hold in high regard. Do you have someone? Maybe when you were a child, maybe as a teenager. I can remember back to one of the most impressive person, other than my mother and my father. My mother in particular, um, my mother is just one godly woman. I mean, she's incredible to me. But I had a Sunday school teacher, and I had a youth pastor. The youth pastor in particular, who had been mentored under the, under the leadership of Peter Lord, a former pastor down in Titusville, Florida. He understood what it meant to spend time with people, to disciple them. And for whatever reason, he took interest in me and several of the other youth, and he spent time with us, just doing life together, but doing Bible together, talking with each other, praying, teaching us how to pray. He led us through a a series called the 10 Basic Steps, I think it was, uh, to Christian maturity. Maybe it's 10 Basic something. He was concerned about me. And to this day, and to this day, I look back and I I will speak to Richard and his wife and I'll tell them how much God used them to help me to be where I am today. It was a good family. I had good parents. I was the middle child. What can I say? I had nothing to do with that. But I do know that in my life spiritually, there are spiritual heroes My parents, absolutely. But someone who said, who was an Epaphroditus to me. He was there. He was intentional. He did it. He finished the task. He didn't let me go. He didn't forget about me. At special events, he was there. He was a part of mentoring my life as a new Christian. Thirdly, what persons or person has God placed in your life to disciple or spiritually mentor? You see, this Christian thing, it was not intended for you to put into a box and hold on to it. Not only are we to be sharing it evangelistically to the world who do not know Christ, but we should be mentoring in someone else's life. We should be involved in someone else's life, not just in the church, outside the church. I personally... I, I do have one little problem that I have to deal with. It's sort of an obsession. I ride a motorcycle. One of the reasons I ride a motorcycle is because I can get around people who don't give a rip about Jesus. In fact, they say some things I haven't heard in a long time. But they're lost. Not all of them. Don't think all bikers are lost. I mean, I will lose my, my patch. I'm talking about being out in the world where people aren't churchy. 
They're not believers. They want to know who you are, what it means. Part of the reason I involve myself in that sort of thing in other activities is I like to involve myself in the world where people are lost. We've got to hang around people who aren't like us, think like us. They don't care. They would argue their, their atheistic perspectives. What would you do with that? Why does God cause bad things to happen to good people? And the list goes on. But who are you reaching out evangelistically, but who are you reaching out into the church to mentor? You don't have to have permission. You don't have to have a program. If you need one, there will be one. But who are you investing your life in to disciple them to be a follower of Christ? I think personally that's one of the reasons there's a big divide between our older generation and our younger generation. I don't know who dropped the baton, but somebody did. It's almost like the young ones don't get it. They have their music and the older ones do get it, they think, and they have their music. We've let such silly things divide us. Really? When in fact, to the young people... There are some mature men and women of God who have something they can share with you that will change your life. They're not old. They're mature. You will be old one day and mature. They have something to say. What happened to the older versus the, you know, taking the younger and mentoring them and discipling them? I have learned so much from people who are so much older than I am. Their perspective is very different. And life-changing. What person are you investing your life in? And last, God really does want to use you even when you think he can't. I think one of the, the, the biggest things that discourage us from being an Epaphroditus, of serving, serving others, mentoring others, serving in our church, serving in our community, is that too many feel like they don't have what it takes. And I would ask you, what is it that you want? If you're a believer and you've committed your life to Christ, He's not only saved you, He has gifted you. And to say that you have nothing to offer is to say that the Creator gave you nothing. And I don't believe that, and I don't think you really do either. We feel as if you have to have some title. We didn't even know, most people didn't know who Epaphroditus was. Let alone have a title. Don't think he had one at all. But one of the greatest servants... I want you to know today that God has a purpose and a plan for you. He has things that you can do that I could never do. I can do things that you cannot do. But every person has a place in the body of Christ. Every person has been gifted uniquely to serve in the body of Christ. And this idea that we are discouraging ourselves because we think we have nothing to offer is not true. You are uniquely and wonderfully you. And God personally and significantly and exponentially wants to use you in the very simplicities or the very complexities of who you are. Don't be discouraged. Don't listen to the lies that you have no place. Everyone has a place. You don't need a title. You don't need a a program You need a servant's 
heart. And God, through the Holy Spirit of God, will take you and use you powerfully and wonderfully within the body of Christ, in our community, and literally around the world. And I hope you'll do that. And so I want us to remember, I pray, what we've heard today. In fact, one of the things that we do to remember is to take communion together. Now, those of you at home, I hope that you've kind of gathered your, your elements together to take the, uh, the communion together. It's not something we can do uh, as we have done traditionally, and those in the auditorium can do the same. But one of the reasons, among many, that we, we you know, oftentimes in, in the olden day, you'd have tables and you'd see this saying, this do in remembrance of me. I think by nature, we just forget. And I tell you, the older you get, the worse that part gets. We just forget. So we don't want to forget why we're doing this. This isn't about a show. This isn't about music. This isn't about a building. This isn't about a program. This is not about an event. This is not about a special thing that we do. No, do this in remembrance of me. Because if we forget, the day we forget what Jesus did when he died on the cross, his body was broken for us. His blood was shed for our sins. He came and died in our place. He came and died for our sins that we could be forgiven. If we forget that, then we begin to be a part of this religious ideology that somehow maybe my discipleship, my religion, my progress spirituality is all about just about me. It's not about you. It never has been about you. God wants to use you, but it's not about you. It's about Jesus. And communion reminds us of that. It reminds us, don't you forget. In fact, when they were there getting ready to go into the promised land, there was a whole litany of messages that when you go into the promised land, don't forget, remember this. Don't forget, remember that. And I think we are called today to remember we're called today to remember people like Epaphroditus, whom we probably didn't even know, but we know him now. But more importantly, we remember Jesus, his gift. So I'm going to pray for us. And if you would at home and here, you partake of the, the elements as we share this time of communion together. Father, I pray today that your Holy Spirit would bring to heart, bring to mind those things we need to hear Things that perhaps uh, our, our circumstances, the stresses of our life may be prohibitive. So God, my prayer is that your Holy Spirit will speak in the language of people's needs, their circumstances. Help them to hear what simple words like mine they could not. I pray that we'll be challenged by the work and life of Epaphroditus and what that did, what that meant. And how we can be serving. And serving as worship. Serving as unto the Lord. And Father, I thank you that as we commune together, that we share this common table, this common place of remembering what Christ did for us, what we could not do for ourselves. And Father, we celebrate that today. And we thank you for it in the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Lafayette Community Church. We are all about helping you live the life you were made to live. God made you. 
God loves you, and his plans for you are perfect. So if you are anywhere near Lafayette, Indiana, join us this weekend at one of our worship gatherings. And wherever you are, check us out online at lafayettecommunitychurch.com.